Let me hear you, Camille. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is Camille Foster on the microphone. All right, uh, Michael. I keep forgetting, not in love <laughs> Back anymore. To Matthew. Matt. <laughs> I keep forgetting that you'll never be the same again. All right, we're wow, locked and good. loaded, guys. Hey, uh, Camille, can you juice that up a little more? It's pretty dull here. You're okay. fucking pretty dull. There, well, that's also true. Just please just make sure I have that audio this evening. Yes, you have it. Thank you. Here we go. Theme music. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. 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 Greetings, and welcome back to another installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your uh, almost weekly rhetorical assault of the news cycle, the people who make it and ourselves. I am Camille Foster of uh, an outfit called Freethink Media. Delighted to be with you again. I am joined this week, uh, as usual, not always, but as usual, by Matt Welch, editor-at-large, Reason Magazine, and Michael Moynihan of Vice News. Gentlemen, star, hey. star, hey. Michael Moynihan, star, star of the, of <laughs> should the we, new, should we tell him about our, you, of the I, new HBO so, show? Okay. I, was just, I just told a story that Matt is going to relate to. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still blindsided by this story. I, I've known Michael a long time, and despite that, I still like him. And uh, um, <laughs> we've been friends and colleagues for a long time. And what, was it like three, day, three nights ago? This was... This was the Monday night. The Monday night. Monday night. Monday night. So, yeah. like, Vice News uh, debuts on, on Monday HBA, yeah. on HBO, which we're going to talk yeah. about more of. And, and Michael's there, and and the world is talking about Michael Moynihan's uh, interview with uh, with uh, Glenn Beck, uh, which is uh, popping through because Glenn Beck talks about how he is thinking. You know, he thought for a second at least uh, about voting for Hillary Clinton because he's so mixed up and confused in this crazy year of ours. And so people were talking about that, and Camille sends a, a text to the two of us. Because we text each other uh, on, on our telephones because yeah. we're, because we're really friends because we're, we're, we're actually super good friends super good friends and uh, and Camille's like ah look at this douche right uh, and it's this, a, this it's is a, locker room talk it's right? a, yeah it's locker room talk and it's a picture of the carousel on HBO Go which has a picture of me and Glenn Beck talking on a mountain yeah yeah and uh, and Moynihan texts back well wait wait, wait. Camille this is important context okay. Camille uh-huh. Camille respond, responded. You know, look. Well, I can't remember what it was, but it was the to the effect, to the effect of like, uh, you know, look at this uh, guy thinks he's a star or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, is that what is that what? Yeah, you're, I think I actually think, I'm the one who said douche. And, yeah, uh, I said I said I opened it up with this image, and yeah. the only comment accompanying the image is "Look at this asshole." Yeah, he looks. <laughs> he's like a huge star or something. Yeah, and Matt responds "douche." Yeah, and and, and Michael responds. Responded. Yeah, I responded. Please don't he, text me. On my private number. <laughs> Thanks. Now, I knew yeah. that was a joke. Yeah, it, it was. It was it because was, it's obvious. It was playing off the "Oh, you're yeah. a big star," yeah. and I said, "Please don't text me." I've my been pissed number. off for forty-eight hours. So I find <laughs> coming in here that you're the real douche because you actually thought I was being serious, and for three days you thought I was. I was so being an asshole. What's great is what's great is the way it came about. Yeah, I said, I said, well, well, Michael's not here. We should. I wonder where he is. He says, "Well, we can't text him." I said, "Well, what do you mean? <laughs> is, is he on a train? Is he is he is he underground?" He's like, "Well, no. I mean, you saw that text earlier oh this week. God, that's like, amazing. Are you kidding me, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was a joke. I feel so it's bad. A little humor okay. impaired, but there. I kind of feel good. It's okay. Yeah. And, and I actually feel okay. bad because you were like, you know what? That's actually believable. You actually thought that was real. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's you, went, you went all Hollywood. You yeah. went. You got internet famous this week. Let's yeah, be honest. Well, and yeah. that's, uh, that's a special well, time." Yeah. Everybody. It was on. It was on the proper TV. I think that's a different. 
I don't oh, know. He's, 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 he's doing yeah. it. He's wow. big foot even now. He just did. Say, just so you know. But it's okay. Just it's so you okay. know. It's not aimed at you. It's aimed I, at them. Yeah, I shouldn't even be here right now. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, sir. We really yeah, appreciate could, it. If, this please, is the fifth column with Michael Moynihan. <laughs> I'm Camille Foster. Could you please send, uh, send all thanks to my agent? We please. will. <laughs> Matt, reset that clock. Uh, yeah, we, we actually do need re- reset. Does this mean that like uh, pretty soon the show is going to be re- rechristened Moynihan and then you yeah. and I are going to be on the curb again? <laughs> yeah. Every time it happens. No, we'll like, need help. We'll oh, need- my God. <laughs> Speaking of jokes that it took a little bit to get, I was like, yeah, that's funny. Wait, what is that? That actually happened to you. <laughs> that's great. In a picture of my glasses on the, on the logo. <laughs> that's especially funny because you don't wear glasses. I don't wear glasses. No, but... I, love oh, you. I love you, God. <laughs> Our TV is a fickle mistress. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, but yeah. there, there are other things that have happened this week. <laughs> Uh, the reason you were it. meeting with Mr. Beck was to sure. discuss this uh, this presidential debate, debate situation. Yeah. Um, so we should certainly talk about that. And this is the first time that we've been together yeah. in a room and had an opportunity to discuss the new the newest form of handshake, the most exciting form of handshake <laughs> yeah. ever known to man, which is where you walk up to someone and grab them in their genitals. Oh, no, yeah. Which, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Only if you're a huge star like Michael. Yeah. Right. Obviously. That's you, true. Because when you're a huge star, you get to do whatever you Have want. Have you tried the pussy grab? Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been doing that since I was 15. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we, we have offensive. to talk about that. We have to yeah. talk about hacking, uh, the Hillary Clinton emails. But and apparently in... we're on the cusp of World War III, so we should talk about that as well. Um, I, I just want to So we can start out. wherever you like. I, I suspect if World War III is on the agenda, as well as pussy grabbing, we should start with pussy grabbing. Yeah, well, I just wanted to point out something quickly, that on the email that Camille sent around, said, hey... Here, here are some <laughs> topics. I had to, like Matt, I'm easily confused by text-based communications. I had to, there was the second line item was something, something like genital handshakes. I don't know. And I was like, wait, what is that? What is, is he hitting on me? And then I was like, oh, the Trump thing. That's what he's talking about. So wherever you want to start, Camille. Yeah. Well, well maybe we should start. Uh, back on last Friday. I would like uh, to because before we start, even before uh, I had to admit that my opinion of Michael Moynihan is so low that I thought he would immediately go Hollywood on us uh, at the first opportunity, (laughs) um, that uh, even before that, Camille here with uh, Chad, who's obviously going to vote for Trump. um, So he was defending him vociferously. Make America great again. Oh, come on. The voice of of Chad. Voice of God. Voice of Chad. Uh, uh, Camille was saying like, hey, you know, I've... I have grabbed the pussy conversations and worse, uh, you know, constantly. That is not exactly what I said. Okay, so let's let's. Uh, <laughs> you also said that Tracy, who by the way is his super hot smoking wife, yes. uh, and who's mm. actually a nice person. Oh, she's great. Camille, I love you, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, had preemptively told him, like, you better color inside the lines on this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. So go on, Camille. Tell us yeah, about you know, why you think pussy grabbing. When I tell you things in confidence, <laughs> <laughs> dude, we're keeping it real. That's the difference. It's between uh, no, us all, and all them. Hey, Matt, I'm sorry. Black Roman Polanski's trying to talk, so <laughs> if you want to tell us about what no, you look, do to women. It, I actually thought they are not this unresponsive. Would, I thought that this would be a very short and brief conversation. Sure. On Friday of last week, we all were blessed by footage and hot mics, Donald Trump on a bus talking to then star of Access Hollywood, um, Billy Bush, 
And Billy Bush and Donald Trump are on the bus, and they are just talking the way guys talk. They are chopping it up, and they're talking about girls and chicks and just yeah. kissing them on the mouth. <laughs> I see a woman, I can't help it. I just run up to her, and I kiss her on the mouth. Yeah, and they, they're laughing that's, maniacally. And then, verbatim and then right. you know, Donald Trump takes it a step further. He says, oh, my God, you know, when you're a star, you can do whatever you want. You can walk right up to him, and you can just, you can just grab him in the vagina. No, he didn't say he said, vagina. No, he said pussy. Oh, he said, and the pussy. You're yeah, right. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. He didn't use the, the correct word. Yeah. Grab him in the pussy. Jake Tapper used and, it. And, and what <laughs> happened? And yeah, what happened? And my, my eight-year-old daughter was like, uh, that's exactly when I had it on for like 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, so God. easy. It was like, uh, like uh, daddy, why would someone grab someone in the vagina? When yeah. It's really... It doesn't hang down. Well, this is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God! Well, you, well, your daughter made an observation. <laughs> makes oh, an observation no. that seems to have escaped almost everyone. I, when I first heard it, uh, I have to admit this: I laughed out loud. You were high fiving Donald Trump. I didn't. In your I mind. didn't high five him, but I. It's obvious that it is a joke. Like ninety percent of civilization has been in a room with like men talking with no microphones and things that aren't being recorded, and understand that there is a thing that happens occasionally. <laughs> Where they crassly try to one-up one another. Camille, I I just saw it, because this is a a podcast, and you can't see. You've got to do one of those things like Howard Stern, you put the cameras into. You can't see his eyes searching around the room. I am looking for confirmation. he's losing the room right now. Because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why why I'm doing that. Sure. It's because the reaction to all of this is this bizarre, puritanical outrage. Oh, my God. I can't believe he... I can't believe he said something like that. Almost as if they've never laughed at a, I don't know, uh, Bill Cosby joke about roofing women and having um, intercourse with them those while they're, jo- while they're those intoxicated. Jokes those jokes weren't funny either. Uh, um, no, actually, plenty of people have made them and plenty of people have laughed took, at them. In fact, if you it, took it became an issue out. because Hannibal J- Burrs was making jokes that made everyone laugh. Let's take the pussy out. So at any rate, no, 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 I think it was, I think it was a joke argument, and I didn't get excited about it. For the sake of argument, let's take the pussy out. And I want to keep saying that because we just mm-hmm, keep saying mm-hmm. it for the next hour. No, God, we, take we, the probably, pussy out. we probably shouldn't. We probably shouldn't. All right, take it out. Um... Buy a dinner. Bragging with your friend on on microphone. Like, yeah. You've been mic'd up. Uh-huh. We've, we've all been mic'd up a little right. bit. Moynihan uh-huh. gets mic'd up all the time because he's a star. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the Stallone? <laughs> don't, don't, don't look at me. Don't look at Don't look at me. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. 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 I, I sort of have more of a Frank Stallone attitude. <laughs> Please look at me. I've got nothing to offer. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to have to reel see? all of this back. Do you see? Yeah. Do yeah. you see? No. So uh, if you if you take the pussy out, yeah, as, uh, Michael, Michael out. Uh, has yeah. you know, get a t-shirt uh, with that phrase <laughs> You're going to make zero progress today. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's terrible. Um, you're bragging about kissing people who can't, who won't move because yeah. you're a star. I haven't had that conversation. If I had that conversation, yeah. I was Look, 17 and I don't remember it. No, listen. If, if, because it's also untrue. To the extent he's not actually telling jokes, to the extent it's these are real things. And look, it is quite possible that the guy has done heinous things. In fact, there are reports of it in the One paper. today. I don't, I yes. don't know. But what I am suggesting is that in the context of private conversation, I don't know that he, what he's doing is confessing that he did these things. Moynihan and I, if, if when, when Winky mm. Leaks uh, decides and identifies us as enemies of the Russian state, so this probably already has <laughs> happened, uh, and they go through, oh, I shouldn't even say this out loud, should yeah, I? Yeah. Your, your profile if, isn't that If high, they go worry, through our fine. Gchat uh, yeah. history, we will be locked up uh, you know, today, with cause. By the way, today, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten this, I opened my Gmail <laughs> and that red banner was at the top. Have you ever had this? Don't think so. And it says, um, You've been hacked by the Russians? Yeah. 
No, I'm serious. It says uh, uh, a foreign government has tried to access your account. Have you seen this? No. You can Google this. Um, China, Russia, whatever. That uh, states. It says state sponsored. It doesn't say Russia or China. It says state sponsored hackers have uh, been trying to obtain your password. And there's a banner. Um, and I looked this up. This has happened to some other people I know too. And it could be just a some mass, a mass thing. But Jesus to that Christ, to that point, so if, let's now. let's pretend that. They got access to my good god my my email. Yeah, um, and they, have, they have your Nambla registration so, so, number. I mean, it's a, it's in PDF. Yeah, uh, you can look at it. <laughs> uh, they also told me about they don't open PDFs in the browser. That's how they're trying to get my my um okay. uh, just download them. Hmm. But um, anyway, there's they could find a lot of stuff that would be really humiliating and embarrassing. I think everybody's email has that. You don't want your especially friends, yours, especially mine and your friends to see stuff. You say things like you say things about work colleagues. You say things about friends, et cetera. Like, friend. like Nick Gillespie. Yeah. Yeah. You wait till he leaves the room. You don't do it on a podcast, yeah. but you wait till he leaves the right. room and doesn't listen to the podcast. And you talk about how he's a monster. And then, <laughs> and so we all have that. So I, there's an, an, an immediately a bit of sympathy for Trump a bit. And then I listened to it. And I totally disagree that he was joking. You think I, he was serious? I think he was totally serious. Okay. He was talking about someone in particular, the Nancy O'Dell. Yeah. And then he he moved on or even maybe started that way. Tried said, to try to uh, hump her like a bitch. Yeah, yeah, like a bitch. He and, was the bitch, too. But, yeah, I don't even know what that means. I think yeah, like, all he said is, I went after her like a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he was a bitch or like he, she no, was he, a he was if someone, bitch? If someone had said, I went after her like a son of a bitch, I think you guys would understand what it is. It's just emphasis. And he just talks funny. He just yeah. talks he funny. He's just a moron. He does. He talks not well. Yeah, yeah. And he That was that was deliberate, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He does He does well. So, like, yeah, I listened to this and I was like, you know, he doesn't seem like he's joking. My defense... It's not of him. I think he deserves all the opprobrium that he's getting, I, without exception. But I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Billy Bush. Oh, <laughs> now Billy Bush. Oh, I, I, please. I'm a, he's I'm the a, worst. A, a, no, as somebody, when I was out on a shoot this weekend, somebody who shall remain nameless on a shoot. said M- Billy Bush is uh, an American hero because he both uh, took down uh, Donald Trump and Ryan Lochte oh, <laughs> in a month period. And it's like, we should be thanking Billy Bush for, for his contribution to society. <laughs> He's the but, only member of the Bush family who's worth a shit but this year. I, 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 not well, the, other, the kids are now, um, are now um, uh, publicly endorsing Hillary. You saw that. Uh, yeah. George W. Bush's daughter did uh, on Instagram. Uh, but, Neil, Neil is, uh, no, which one is, uh, one of them is, uh, has endorsed uh, Jill Stein. Uh, uh, Gary Johnson, actually. Gary Johnson. Yeah, yeah it was like, like, the, like the third cousin, like, you know, Topher, yeah. Topher Bush or something. <laughs> but Harpo. I, I, I defend uh, Billy Bush in this because we've all been in this situation. People say, like, oh, you've been in the locker room talking. And I think, yeah, I've said things that are probably gross and I don't want people to know about. It. But never with that kind of measure of violence <laughs> that was, like, seeping out of his mouth. And it didn't say – he wasn't laughing. He wasn't. But Billy Bush, on the other hand – I'm going to defend Billy Bush. Because I've been in a million situations where you're interviewing somebody or you're just hanging around with somebody – and they're, you know, in this case, this famous person, and you're just trying to be agreeable, right? And you're like, oh yeah, star. laughing around, laughing along, and the guy is now going to lose his job. That's that's what you think was happening. The guy who gets off of the bus and says, "Why don't you give Donald a hug? Come on, Donald's been on the bus a long time. Give him a hug." Yeah, I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't and, say, and how about a hug oh, for me? Man. Yeah, he get, he said all of those things I because spent, they were just having a deplorable yeah, of course, conversation of course, about her. Of course, and he, in, in and, fact, and, he says, and, "Look and, at your girl sure. in the purple." 
sure. Oh my and, and, gosh, you know, he he's takes, hot. Give he him takes, a hug. He takes the uh, the joke a little too far. <laughs> I, 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 I'll admit that, but he takes the, the things joke that you will actually the, defend. Morality no, no. in this room is no. just so I'm off not, I, I am the one that will not defend Donald Trump in this in any way. Yeah, it's I like understand. violent and gross and horrible. Yeah. And he's just like uh, uh, he's. Do you remember that old Warner Brothers cartoon where there's the big dog and the little ones bouncing off him, saying, "Hot Spike, Hot Spike, do you want to go do this?" Like, and he keeps slapping him and going, "Nah, shut up!" And slaps yeah. the dog. That's what Billy yeah. Bush was in that situation. It's like pathetic, but I, I'm sure that I've been pathetic like that too, in, of like laughing fact, at jokes I didn't think were funny because a- I was trying to be in the in the cool crowd. The actual <laughs> segment that aired of Billy going to vote with Donald is just amazing. Is oh, it? I didn't watch it's, the segment. What is it? It's, it's Donald Trump going to like four different precincts because he didn't know where he was supposed to vote. And every time he has to leave one of these places because he's not on the rolls, he says, come on, Billy, let's go. Billy is just sort of chasing Donald Trump out so of the So it's like room. the Alec Baldwin Billy, let's go. Uh, commercial let's go, with uh, Jason Schwartzman. I, I don't know which commercial it is. If you watch uh, baseball, uh, it's uh, they're playing like ping pong, and uh, it's like, come on, Jason, let's, come on, Schwartzy, let's go. And like Schwartzy, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a capital, it's a capital one. Yeah, probably. Unless yeah. something like that, yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, um, I, I'm not going to persuade you guys. As I said, yeah. I, I don't but defend, really, you've, I mean, I, I don't defend sexual assault like no one does. But in it's, this, in the, my, it's the aggressing of the, of the conversation that is, that is different. I mean, I, I don't, I, I just don't I have think... talked bollocks about lots of things and yeah, including like sure. sexual conquests and yeah. these kind of things back, you know, a thousand years ago when that was, when that was a, a remote possibility. <laughs> um, but like, I don't remember bragging yeah. On like I got to do this to this girl just, because she couldn't I didn't, say no. I didn't hear That's it. the thing. Yeah, I didn't hear I'm it. Just, I didn't sorry, actually. I didn't actually. I didn't actually hear it that what way. What are you laughing about? I'm just trying to think of you a long time ago. Like you know, I got a bicarbonate of soda <laughs> and I pulled a knickers down. <laughs> Back I didn't, in 40, 1948 when you last uh, touched a woman. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually. <laughs> sorry. I didn't. I didn't actually hear. Um, I didn't hear. It that way. You the, way I, the way I heard it. As, uh... The way the way I heard it was the way that everyone else on the bus who was laughing heard it, which is the way you would typically hear it when you're talking to someone who you presume is a sane person. Like someone who's sane doesn't actually endorse sexual assault. Like they are not. But they, they are not joke wait, about it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Actually, that's not true. I mean, there have but, been but, but there have been saying. plenty of comedians who have made jokes. I actually, about, I actually about made a, first I actually or second made a or Roman third joke rape, on this rape. podcast already. Yeah, I mean, so. let's let's be let's be honest. For the, for the, you and know, people have and as I said, people not only made jokes about Bill Cosby this past weekend on SNL, the occasionally funny variety comedy show. <laughs> they had one of their occasionally funny segments. <laughs> and it wasn't just the, it was really funny. It was fantastically funny, and most Americans were sharing it and laughing at the same damn joke. Jokes about grabbing women's vaginas. And that's what, and look, I just think there's a bit of hypocrisy here. And I get it. I understand. In this particular, he's a presidential candidate. I don't understand. We don't, we don't tolerate hi- this. Who's being hypocritical? I think the hypocrisy is if it's just the joke, then getting really excited about the joke is wrong. If he is, in fact, saying, I have proudly assaulted women sexually. Like that is disgusting. That is nothing. Despicable. He's bragging the, the, about the, kissing people and they I, won't say as I no said, he's a star. For, for me, Matt, I don't think all of the laughter. It's not a joke. That's not even funny. Well, you guys can presume it's not a joke. No, everyone it's not else, a joke. Everyone else in the jokes, room laughed. Jokes have punchlines. Which, generally and then, speaking. And, and they could, walked out and like, hey, look at this and they hot continued, chick and they continued who will hug laughing. me. Because and look, Camille, Camille yeah, you're Dude, listen. Billy Bush did it. They thought it was funny. I just, look, you guys won't agree. I can't visit Billy Bush. Did you know he existed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we're friends on Facebook. 
Yeah. We, we, won't, we won't solve this problem. There are, there are other grand problems. I just want to, no other I just want to point out, here's the, thing about, here's the thing about jokes. Usually they have punchlines and they're funny. Yeah. And the thing about the people laughing in there, it was like, that, that's the type of- They're also of, sexual predators. They're all, that, no, that's the type of laughter when he walks off the bus. And the one guy looks at the other guy and says, what a fucking asshole. You know, that's, it wasn't like hilarious, what a joke. Maybe. There was no punchline. There was like, Donald Trump was in there like, oh my God, I'm going to bust with Donald Trump and he's making lewd comments. I'll laugh at it, I guess. I, it was an uncomfortable. I just want to say before we well, change the now subject. Now we're all psychoanalysts. Yeah. Before so. we change the subject, that, yeah. that because Camille wants to change the subject, that means I'm not going to tell my story about hanging out with Jimmy Somerville in gay clubs for six hours in Prague in the mid-90s. Oh, wow. So go on. Well, you don't have to come out on the podcast. We can do that another day. <laughs> it's fine. We can do that another day. Oh, we, should, we should actually save that for a podcast devoted to the entire thing because then you have to, we'll bring your wife on. And I'll tell you what. And, and the only reason I would say we could skip that segment now, do it maybe like an, an extra scene on the DVD, yeah. is I'm just not sure how many Fifth Columnist listeners are huge uh, Bronsky beat fans. <laughs> I don't even know what's going exactly, on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I really don't. He's, he's like, he was so like the short. young thug of you know gay synth pop in the 80s. Oh, he sounds incredible. incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, there you go. Jimmy Somerville. Great. Well, now now that we've taken care of that, we can move on to the other. Well, this, look, I mean, it's appropriate we did this first. That was Mm -hmm. the first question in the presidential debate. In fact, there were two first questions. The the two first questions of the presidential debate had to do with that that joke that was made, that locker room banter. Oh, my God. Or the confession, the confession of a guilty man. Um, that was made on no, the No, the braggadocio rate, of a guilty I, man. The I'm thing that Donald Trump's wife described as despicable. His, his way? Yeah. Oh, look, dude, as I said, let us continue. You should call, we should get her in the line and see if you can convince Melania that it was well, a Melania? joke. Melania? <laughs> yeah. If we could do that. Yeah, if you get her on the line. That would know. be a win. We'll work on that for next week. Yeah. But the Clinton emails were yeah. another topic of conversation. Um, and this is the other Clinton emails, not the leaked ones. Uh, which is what I'd really like to talk about, um, but the uh, the Clinton email scandal um, and whether or not she uh, had done awful things that that ought to be disqualifying. I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys have any sort of thoughts on that that we haven't anything new on that stuff that we haven't talked about in the past. But perhaps you want to sort of offer some feedback on that or some other aspect. I mean, look, the, the, let's the just emails, not talk about Ken Bone. The, I don't want to oh, do that. God, I, I love Ken Bone. Ken Bone's great, but you know, like enough with the Ken Bone. Yeah. Um, no, with the emails is that look, this they have had an effect on her popularity. Obviously, she has very high negatives. She's the weakest Democratic candidate in a very long time, and, and all of these revelations and whether it's James Comey doing his half step on this, it, it you know it sinks her credibility, and you see this in polls all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's the Benghazi effect in the way that. Nobody knows or understands the specifics. They just know that it's bad. Right. So if you ask anybody about the emails, they don't really know what happened. And I've actually tried this with people who I think are reasonably intelligent but don't follow politics. They're like, yeah, you know, cut her her some slack. She shouldn't have done it. She shouldn't have been using her private, you know, email account. That's how people think about this. So I think that, like, like overall— the difference between that, and this is how frivolous we are as as Americans and when we think about politics. It's true. <clears throat> the, re, the, the Donald Trump thing is interesting because Donald Trump has said we should ban an entire religion from entering the United States regardless of whether they're a danger <laughs> or not. And we're like, all right, let's vote for this guy. He seems pretty good. And then it's like, pussy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you hear that? He's talking about grabbing pussy. It's like, yeah, that's bad. You know what also is bad? Is um, the uh, calling, uh, you know, talking like a rapist and then telling an entire nation that they're rapists. 
you know, that should be disqualifying from the very beginning. And it, it, this upended a lot of political commentators who thought all this stuff should be disqualifying. This will have an effect. Let's not take it seriously because all of this stuff, you know, I mean, the cumulative effect of everything Donald Trump said is the elimination of Donald Trump from the political world. That turned out not to be true. I'm trying to figure out why this one was especially bad. And I think that it's an unguarded moment. It's a leaked bit of audio. He's saying dirty words. Hillary Clinton's emails, if we, you know, the, the, you know Trump makes these comments, you know, uh, I hope Putin hacks and finds the 20,000 missing emails. Right. If there was something in those emails, it wouldn't have the effect of an audio file on Access Hollywood. Yeah. And it's so pathetic in a way that that is true. But I've been trying to figure out and I've been having this conversation with friends and, you know, being on the road for the past month, the past week after this broke. And by the way, being in the state where everybody reacted so strongly, the first people oh, you were in Utah, I was in Utah and the first four major people to break with Trump who had supported him. And even those who hadn't supported him, uh, like uh, uh, Mia Love, uh, who who was had not who had not him supported previously. him, and um, you know this is but but we have the governor of Utah coming out and saying no more. I backed him. No more. We have Jason Chaffetz saying no more. I and backed this is him. Jason Chaffetz, no more. Who's, Huntsman, who's the head of the House Government Reform Committee, who's like roasting Hillary Clinton on yeah, a daily basis, daily basis, mm-hmm. daily basis. Huntsman, who who supported Trump, who supported Trump. By the way, early too. It's not as if like okay. I'm, I'm Hashtag trying, no labels. No labels. And, and, and we emailed him, tried to get him on camera and, and emailed the no labels uh, emails at the contact. Of the, it was at no labels. And that was the, the, the um, contact I was given from somebody who knew. It was like, oh, the no, no labels email. Seriously? No labels guy is backing Donald Trump. He was a moderate when he ran. And even he had to back out at this point. You know, and, and, and so you're in Utah and it's like, OK, <laughs> I get it here. Why do I get it here? Because everyone is so nice. I've never met nicer. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And they, but they're Mormons, and they're, and, they're, and they don't like this kind of talk. It seems, although it's, it's not apparent. According to you guys, it's not just talk. And yeah. to the extent, and, it's uh, not, by the way, and Mike to the extent Lee it's too. not to the extent it's not just talk, then that is more than defensible. Mike, like once Mike, someone comes way, out Mike, as a sexual Mike predator, Lee, you Senator Mike have Lee, to distance yourself from them. Yeah, I mean, but Senator Mike Lee, who's a pretty interesting guy uh, um, in a lot of ways, um, was so appalled by this that on Friday night. He took to Facebook Live at two in the morning. At two in the morning, from his house in Salt Lake City, outside of Salt Lake City, and gave a rant and said, "This is unacceptable." It's like, okay, so the question for you guys and the question for our listeners and you know, Twitter and tweet and explain this to me is like, this is bad, and I agree. I mean, like if you had told me in two thousand eight that you know there's going to be a tape of John McCain saying, "Grab them the pussy," like his campaign's over. But the, again, the cumulative effect of all the things that Donald Trump has said that have been offensive, and stupid, and counterproductive. What is it here? Is it is it the audio of it? Is it the lewd nature of it? I understand, as I said, why all these Mormon guys, why Utah was the first basically Republican delegation to stick up their middle finger and say no more, including at the Republican National Convention. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, split, yeah, it was I'm Virginia gonna and you and you and you split split your uh, your question in a couple of places. Uh, one is um, that I think the bulk of people, the John Tunes of the world, right? John Tune, I believe, on Saturday, senator from North Dakota, right? Yeah, North or South, one of those North Dakotas. Uh, West Dakota, uh, he came out and said that uh, uh, that uh, Trump should step aside. That was on Saturday. And I think uh, today we're taping on well, – is it Tuesday or Wednesday? No. It's Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday. Okay. Um, I think today he's like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk that one back. Uh, yeah. A lot of people were because of uh, Trump's 
performance in the debate was seen as maybe stopping the bleeding or something like that. So you have, and John McCain, I would put in this category too, people who you know in their heart of hearts had hated Donald Trump. McCain is a special case in this case because he has specifically said that John McCain, you know, was a loser for getting shot down over Vietnam, <laughs> um, which is an incredible formulation. Does and, that mean Ho Chi, went to Ho Chi Minh is a winner? He's a total winner. Uh, I mean, McCain's entire family is an open rebellion against Donald Trump as a candidate. Uh, but McCain was still because he had to win a primary election yeah. in Arizona and was and and McCain has and uh, spent his whole career being appalled by and uh, the own his own base in the Republican Party mm. and their populist urges. He didn't locate the courage to uh, to go away from uh, Trump until this moment, because a yes, it's on tape. But B, it seems like with. 30 days left in the campaign, like this will be the final thing that knocks him away from the possibility of winning. And once that became safe, a lot of people found their courage. And I am, I don't have respect for that courage. I do have yeah. respect for the Utah courage. Mike Lee, Mia, Maya Love, however you pronounce her first name. Yeah. Um, uh, Isn't it John Thune? Ah, uh, Thune, Thune, whatever. Uh, uh, there's an H in there. Camille's right. Thune it's fish. You can Thune a piano, but you can't Thune a fish. <laughs> this uh, is true. Uh, that's, does that count as a book reference for our uh, no. Twitter? Okay. Nope. Uh, uh, but so those people have been pretty principled. The Utah delegation, as we mentioned before, the yeah, convention I, I, I was surprised by was Gary, leading the revolt. Gary Herbert, the uh, the uh, Republican governor, who had – it wasn't the Mike Lee, Mia Love thing. was like, okay, this is the final straw. Who had it enthusiastically supported – enthusiastically supported Trump and said – no dice. I think he was actually might have been the well. It was Huntsman was first, and then him. He was the first, uh, I think, sitting politician, sitting politician yeah. and then and then Chaffetz and the other ones, and and then Mike uh, Crapo or Crapo, however you ever Crapo. say. <laughs> also a also a Mormon. Uh, from, Fune and Crapo <laughs> from Idaho. But no, it was fascinating. Also a Mormon from Idaho. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating to watch. If you if you go on Wikipedia and look at your like list of Mormon uh, elected representatives, the majority of them. I mean, Jeff Flake has has been against Trump from the beginning. Mormon senator from Arizona and. And all of these states in the interior Mountain West is where Mormons are are, uh, are most uh, concentrated, and they have led the opposition, which is fascinating. So I asked this question. It is now um, 7.23 Eastern time, so this will have aired uh, tonight on the show on HBO. I, I um, talked to uh, uh, Evan McMullen. Uh, <laughs> wow. Everyone know Evan McMullen? Yeah, yeah. presidential candidate for the United States. Uh, did any, anyone anyone see the uh, news about Evan McMullen, why I talked to him today? I talked to him via satellite uh, from Salt Lake City. He's polling at 22% this is, according to Y2 Analytics. The in, uh, Y2 Analytics? Uh, which I'd never heard of before. Okay, so, so there, we had a little <laughs> bit of a debate in, internally about what the the reliability of this poll. But, you know, it's a poll that, that the Deseret News, which is, you know, um, the LDS newspaper, but a good newspaper, and the Salt Lake Trib also published this poll without any qualifications. And, you know, um, you know, is this poll an outlier? Well, yeah, it is. If you look at the, the he was polling at 9%, I think the last time he was, he was about, but, but this is 12, post, 12 and 13, actually. 12, 12 and 13. Yeah. But this is also a 10 point bounce after the video Pussy set, Gate, yeah. after Pussycat. So this didn't surprise me, but Evan McMullen, I asked him, and the great thing about McMullen is a very nice guy, by the way. And because um, we were having some technical difficulties at first and we talked for a little bit and he's a very, very nice guy, very smart guy. And it's he, he was just like when I interviewed Gary Johnson 
at the RNC when Gary Johnson was like, I can win this election. I think I can. I actually think. And he was not doing it as a line. It was like off camera. He's like, I really think that I'm, I can do it. And I asked, I asked him, I think it was on camera. I was like, you know, you're pulling great here. You know, you might be able to, to, to take, uh, take Utah maybe. I don't know if that's going to happen, but maybe. How are you doing elsewhere? And he's like, I think we're going to win this election. <laughs> I, was like, I don't think you can. He's on 11 state ballots. He's, uh, no, he said now he said now he's uh, in 30. Yeah, that's 30 a, he's two. counting right in states. He's counting right in states. Which, I mean, yeah, the, which uh, doesn't. The, Gary Johnson was not on the ballot in Michigan last time around. Yeah. And, uh, and so he was a write in candidate in the same way that Ev McMullen says he is. And he got 0.16% yeah. of the vote in, in his write in yeah. state. Yeah, yeah write in states are, I mean, but, but imagine this. This is the kind of. You need the, you'll get this on on election night when you are watching the scroll on CNN. You're watching five thirty eight, watching all these people crunch the numbers, and you say, "Oh my God, look at what happened in this district that once voted this way, etc." We can do that now just with this poll because Utah is the reddest of red states. The last time Utah elected or voted for a Democrat was 1964. And that was after the assassination of Kennedy. And it was after, you know, Goldwater wasn't an especially strong candidate in certain regions of the country, meaning the entire country. He didn't do that well, <laughs> right? The, the last time an independent candidate had won a state with electoral uh, Ross Perot didn't happen. That's weird. Yeah. He didn't. Is George Wallace. In 1968, he won, I think, three or four states. Five. Five? Yeah. Uh, on the South, strangely on the enough. South, strangely enough. And so... Camille may, might need to figure out why that happened. Now, the great... The, the great... The great is, it was... It was not a lot of economic anxiety it was, down it was, there. Yeah, it, was, he was, it, was, it was states' rights. Yeah. Um, there was... <laughs> there was uh, states' rights to be super racist. The, you know... If, <laughs> sorry. The South will rise again. Yeah, that's... So, I mean, you look at this stuff now, and Mitt Romney won, of course, his largest margin. No surprise. But it was and it was smaller than Reagan's margin. It was smaller than Reagan's margin. That's right. That's what I was going to say. And it's, like, really interesting that these margins are so huge. And now it looks like Hillary Clinton not only has a chance to win the state, but Evan McMullen, because yes. there's a 4%, 4% margin of error on that poll— and that puts it at 26, 26, 22. That means it's, it's statistically a dead heat. We need to find out who commissioned <laughs> that poll, uh, which is— uh, it, it, it was Deseret News. But uh, uh, I don't know—did they commission they it? They commissioned it. Oh, okay. I, I, I think—I don't quote me that. I'm 90 percent sure it was they but, commissioned it. Um, but uh, it makes sense given the previous polls. I mean, before um, uh, the tape came out of uh, Trump and Billy Bush— um, uh, it was already, I mean, it's amazing that Trump was only polling around 35%. I mean, Republicans on average have gotten 66 yeah. or 68% of the vote, uh, there since 1970. Yeah. The average spread has been 36 percentage points since 1976 in Utah. So we were already in uncharted territory as far as this concerned. And then this comes out, um, there's a, actually a very good video I want to commend to, to the audience there that just came out right before we started, uh, going on air. Uh, Zach Weissmuller from uh, Reason TV uh, did. Uh, he, they were in Utah for several days and, and interviewed people, and they then people just made a, a an interesting kind of case against Trump. Uh, yes, the vulgarity, uh, but also the religious pluralism uh, question. And that's not a question necessarily that Gary Johnson has answered well. And some people uh, uh, dinged him for that in the video. But when you say you're Muslim. You can't come in the country. Every, they hear it. Uh, uh, he said that to me today when we were in, and I think it's in the piece that went to air tonight. And uh, every person I talked to there said the same thing. They don't like the Muslim rhetoric. They're in mm -hmm. Utah. When yeah. they were expelled to Utah, they were expelled out of the United States. Sure. Utah was not part of the United States. And they were expelled for religious reasons. And they do not like that sort of language 
about a religious minority. Yeah. And every person says that. We sympathize with them. And of course, as Matt Stone and Trey Parker have uh, not only I've never seen the show, which I heard is amazing, but on their on the the, the Book of Mormon show. Oh. But when they did the Mormon episode, the theme of the episode is you believe crazy things, but you're super nice. And that's like <laughs> that is like I, Mormons are like, oh, we we're concerned about the Muslims. And like we not, not in the way that, you know, Robert Spencer is. They're concerned that their feelings are being hurt by Donald Trump, which I find like kind of charming. In a it, way is, too. it is a beautiful American story. And I'm a little bit sad that it didn't happen this time to Camille's uh, Adventists uh, uh, friends. Um, but Mormons got mainstreamed in America over the last five years. Yeah. We watched it happen. It was the Book of Mormon and Mitt Romney running twice for president yeah. that suddenly they became acceptable Americans. And I think that's just like an awesome we American story. Sh we should ask Hugh Hewitt if he wants to write another book about <laughs> Evan McMullen called a Mormon in the White House, too. <laughs> do you remember you that would, book? Yeah, I do. I, yeah. I was with him on a panel talking about that book uh, a few years back. And I'm like, a little too soon, Hugh, because that was that came out in 2008. That was not the yeah, thing yeah, in yeah, 2012. Yeah, like, uh, I, I just one thing before we move on, a quote that I came across today from Donald Trump. I was looking at old uh, archival footage of him in Utah, and this is about say, all of it's hilarious, but this is my favorite one. I have a couple of friends. I actually have one who's Jewish, and he loves the Mormons. He loves the Mormons. <laughs> I, I, this is amazing that like he's trying to wrap it together. He's like, I have a Jewish friend, and he loves Mormons. Yeah, it's like he's he's like a proxy for the love of Mormons. It's a fantastic quote. Uh, I hope he becomes president. Of Equatorial Guinea. Wait, that's it? <laughs> that's it. No, <laughs> it's, uh, you're waiting for some payoff. This I is was. A, the man says, I love Mormons. I have a Jewish friend and he loves he's, Mormons. He's admitting, he's admitting his limitations. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's I just never met that, a Mormon. I just thought that was the weirdest thing yeah. I've ever heard. Like, here's this Jewish guy, I know, unnamed, but he loves Mormons. <laughs> a little outsourcing. Oh. People. What are we doing? Are we still on the air? Yeah, we are. Oh, We're God. still here. Camille hasn't talked much, though. No, no. You, talk, mean, no. You, guys are, you guys are exhausting me. I don't have anything else to say. I think we could wrap this up. Uh, I kid. Um, so we, we were going to talk about the emails that were actually hacked. Um, emails which, as of Friday, uh, it appears in a joint statement uh, from the leaders of our intelligence community, it seems pretty clear at this point that they all agree that the Russians are behind these email attacks. Ruskies. Um, and that not the Russians, Russians. Are, and the Ruskies are not only behind the email attacks, they are disseminating them for the Ooh. express purpose. Yeah, more more booze. That's what we need right now for this oh, part of the more conversation. Wine. Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, We've been drinking. <laughs> that we are we that we're seeing these hacks for the express purpose of impacting the course of the election. Yeah. Um I wonder if you gentlemen saw anything that was of particular interest in any of these hacked emails. I mean I know Did you? I, I really didn't. Yeah, um, I didn't the, really the first the first thing that, that you keep seeing over and over again is this private and public position, which um, uh, the, it's called being human. There was a limp. There was a <laughs> yeah. limp defense uh, that that Hillary offered for it, saying that she was talking about Lincoln. Uh, I'm not certain if that's actually true. Uh, it's what she said during. Uh, the actually, uh, Jacob Solom had a, a good piece about this. The original uh, uh, Goldman Sachs or whatever the hell it was. Uh, uh, speaking of which, Evan McMullen is former Goldman Sachs sure. and former CIA. So, yeah, yeah. so he's got yeah. the two for uh, taken care of. But uh, uh, which she shows you why conspiracy theorists are wrong. Because if the world was run by shadowy elites, he'd be pulling it forty five percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or, or they would run him, have him not do particularly well, oh, so that you could make that connection. Good. They're very, 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 very clever. Sharp. In her speech, she was talking not about two different positions. She was talking about bribing fellow politicians. Yes. with votes. It's kind of a different thing. Yeah. How was yeah. it phrased in the, the when she was bri She said that bribing horse, horse trading with patronage. Yeah. Did she actually say that? That was her phrase? 
Uh, I don't know. Exactly. I, don't, I don't think that was her. Face. Yeah, I didn't know if you were quoting her. But what was it? I mean, but but this is kind but of. But that's if, what she was I mean, the, explicitly the quote, referring to yeah, it in the yeah. Spielberg movie okay. of Lincoln. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But this isn't this kind of a dog bites man yeah, story. Okay. I mean, in which everybody what are you saying, is that Hillary like, Clinton clutches or? pearls that politicians uh-huh. and like journalists, especially like you know, like there's a thing about Mark Leibovich like running quotes by them, right? Um, that they limited an interview and said, you can do an interview with her, but you have to run certain quotes by us or something. Yeah. We get final say. I would never agree to that. And Leibovich actually acknowledged it in his story, um, but like the, the, they're like, oh, it was 46 paragraphs in or 26 paragraphs in. or like, Well, he acknowledged it. I mean, you know, it's read to the end. That's what reading's all about. It seems, start at the beginning, read to the end. I mean, don't seems, pretend you're surprised. Yeah, no, no. It's I mean, like complaining about a movie's ending without, without watching it. But I mean, I don't think that any of that stuff is actually... That surprising than what I've read. And you know what? I have to say this. And as libertarians, I suspect you guys will agree with, with this. Hillary Clinton's uh, Goldman Sachs speech, the bit that I heard, was great. My, my dream is oh, a yeah. hemispheric common market. Yes. Open trade and open, open borders. Yes. Sometime in the future up, with Ron Paul that is green and sustainable. <laughs> well, Ron, Ron, Ron Paul doesn't <laughs> want the Amaro. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the superhighway yeah. oh, in right. Texas? He was highway. like super she, pissed yeah. off. But she super does. High. But she does finish it with powering growth and opportunity for every person in the hemisphere. And look, I I heard that I like and that. I thought, wow, that's good. If you talk like that in public, yeah, we should and weren't otherwise awful. I hope she. I hope you I, it, I yeah. might be fine with that. But, but look, it's what she says. It's what she says when she's on the bus with Billy Bush. Yeah, but I mean, that's what she's <laughs> like. Just, that's what you want. Yeah, she's like, I will fuck free trade. Grab <laughs> <laughs> it in its vagina. In the oh, face. I will fuck <laughs> in the face <laughs> against its will. Oh my god, we just got a double. Because when you're a star, iTunes, <laughs> because, I, yeah. When you're a star, yeah. they let you do it. When Can you listen to your mother? Listen to this. No, no, she doesn't. My, my, my wife listens. It's my, twice uh, as bad. By the way, my mother does. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Just say no. Well, I like my your mom. mom. I was just in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Should have Did you visit her, his mom? I didn't. Oh, God. Or I her didn't. mom? No, no. I, I wasn't extending. I'm trans. I'm trans now. Do you, uh, <laughs> you will be. Uh, do you, uh, I saw on Tuesday... Yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, our all mutual friend uh, Johan Norberg who has yeah, a, a new book out yes, called progress, like I am progress. I am no Johan Norberg. It's called I am an, an unbelievable optimist. Like literally, the world could be on fire. There would be a ring of fire around Johan. Be like, you know, it's going to be okay. I saw a guy come up to him at the party over at uh, Jerry Orstrom's house. Let's just all pretend like everyone knows who everyone is here. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and the guy's like, well, you know, um, what do you say about the last uh, couple of years? Because things have gone really bad. And, and Johan's answer, and this is, of course, private conversation that I shouldn't repeat. Yeah. But this is a podcast note. So, <laughs> he just said, um, fuck you. Yeah, I'll, just, uh, I'll just beat this all out later. <laughs> he was like, well, as a matter of fact, three of the last five years have been uh, three of the best years in the history of mankind. And that was almost a good Johan impression. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. But Johan's a, a listener. He's, He's a, a, listener. a huge fan of the fifth column. That's and he great. like he... Well, you could you could you you could uh, uh, test him and see if he's actually listening because we've praised Johan Norberg on this, or as we say in Swedish, Johan Norberg. He praised him on this very podcast, and I have uh, recommended his books. And you know, it's the it's the better angels of our nature thing, where you know you see this a, a, a book. Have you have you read the, the you read the better better angels? Did we talk Stephen, about this? Stephen Pinker. Stephen Pinker. Have we talked about? I don't, about I don't this? know if we've talked. We no. might have talked about it, but 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 it is Pinker's like a counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive that this is the greatest, safest. In least violent time in human history. And everyone says, oh, my God, I see these ISIS videos, bombing of Aleppo. You see kids being pulled out of the rubble. Violence, 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 terror, terror, terror. And no, not really. I mean, it all exists, of course. But in the scope of human history, we are in a period 
of exceptional calm and of exceptional peace, despite Vietnam, despite the Second World War, despite Korea, despite the First World War. And this is, to be sure, this is like it's more peaceful now than five years ago. It's like oh, yeah, even yeah. on a short term basis, yeah, this sure. holds up, which is yeah. And, and look, in the, the first Gulf War, there was a lot of um, talk about. Uh, smart bombs. This is a phrase that kind of disappeared. Smart bombs. We just kind of accept these things now. Yeah. And it was like, these smart bombs are dumb. And that was, you know, a lot of this stuff. And it was sort of true because the Patriot missiles created by Raytheon had internal mechanisms that were made by, I think, by Texas Instruments. <laughs> it just like <laughs> played a little theme song and shot off and blew up. It was actually constructed from TI-82 calculators. <laughs> it was Most a, people don't know that. Yeah, it was a Coleco, ColecoVision defense. Pretty, pretty sure Pete Welch worked on, on uh, uh, <laughs> Paul Moynihan was a, was a Raytheon employee too, so I might be insulting my father here. Wow. But the, we, when we look at the death toll in the Iraq war, you know, a great tragedy in one that spilled over and created these ripple effects in, in sort of the, the geopolitical disaster that is the Middle East. So that is actually something we'd focus on. But when we think about, we look at the memorials that are on the mall in Washington, you look at the death tolls, you know, we have 250 plus thousand for World War II. That's just America. I mean, this, I mean, the Russians were millions, et cetera. And then Vietnam, 56,000 Americans died in Vietnam. Divisive war created. Korea in 18 months. Korea in 18 months. I can't remember the death was enormous in Korea, too. I mean, these are all not tragedies. These are just disasters. 56, 57, 58,000, 59,000 people in Vietnam. And in Iraq, um, which was a disaster in its own way, you do have to acknowledge one thing, that the progress of three, 4,000 Americans dying and is we're going in the right direction. And now the response to that is obviously don't get into stupid wars and please don't ignore the civilian victims in Iraq, both of which are true. But just on a purely kind of numbers actuarial way to Steven Pinker's argument, you know, do we say wars are getting safer? <laughs> but from the American they military, they, they kind sure. of are. And, I, yeah. and I, I don't know what to make of that information that, you know, we should have more of them. They're safe. No, I don't think that at all. But, it, you know, when I see Pinker's book and I see Yoan and the optimism. And Ron Bailey's book and also Matt Ridley. Oh, I think yeah. there's there's uh-huh. a spate of, of, yeah. uh, of four yeah, yeah. books it's a, in, a liberation, in two months. Liberation Biology, Ron's book. and uh, the, not the Liberation Biology book. Oh, the uh, one after that. Uh, the Rational Optimist is Matt, Matt Ridley's book. So the people keeping score on Twitter, that one's mine. Uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt mentioned an author. I mentioned, mentioned the name of the book. So, but also, by the way, a terrific, terrific book, Matt Ridley's so, book. So we're not, we're not overly excited about the emails um, that, that we saw leak. In fact, the, there might even the be a little of bit doom. of hope. The End of Doom. Oh, the End of Doom. Yeah, Ron Bailey's yes. great. Yeah, yeah. also Credit very Matt, good. Yeah. Um, but, but I do, I mean, speaking of us all being safer than, than ever before, I mean, the the tensions with the Russians are very real. Uh, I mean, after the statement that came out about this, um, about the leak and the very public endorsement of the perspective that the Russians were responsible, the president himself has said that there needs to be a proportionate response. You mean the president, uh, president, the president Vladimir of the United Putin. No, the president of the United <laughs> States has no. said so much. Mr. Barack Obama has said as much. And, and what we've also seen in recent days is, I mean, the and this is not just days, but I mean, over weeks and months that the United States and Russia, who were supposed to be working together to tackle this problem in Syria, have are completely at opposite ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and there really does seem to be a, a very like palpable, um, not just disdain for one another, but there is just seemingly a complete inability to have any kind of dip- diplomatic engagement. And, and oddly, I mean, look, we had Bill Clinton 
um, who attempted to try to restore relations with the Russians and failed at it. W, who came in again, also tried to restore relations with the. I looked Russians into his eyes and saw his soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I was very KG, was very KG, critical yeah. was very critical of uh, Bill Clinton when he was running for office as well, and Barack Obama, who also came in. There was a great reset. Russian reset, and again, we have failed at it. And I don't know. I mean, even at this particular moment, the distance seems to be pretty dramatic. Do you feel like it, we, all, we, we almost led Camille to a, to a, a, a Moynihan Welch place yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. What's that? What does that tell you, Camille? What when, does it tell me? When, when every president is failing to fix is the problem? Failing, it's that, no. It's that, you know, it, it's, it might not be us. It at this might point. not be us, Camille. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. One, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Is the expectation that, did I set the, an expectation that I said that the Russian. And United, the Russia-United hmm. States problem is the fault of the United States? Have you have that? a... I, I'm looking at you right now, and you have a Murray Rothbard tattoo on your neck. <laughs> so I imagine that that's what you're I've never, I've never made that argument. You yeah. know, one one issue that we run into here um, on this program <laughs> when we talk about foreign policy... And Russia. Is there, there and is, the Well, yeah, in the Ruskies. That oftentimes a perspective is attributed to me that I haven't latched onto. My perspective on foreign policy is... Is somewhat straightforward and simple. He's going to use the word um, nuanced here, but it is. I, I I would use the word nuanced, but I'm not going to. Um, but it, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where I I do think we shouldn't get involved in stupid wars, and I do sure. think that there is the possibility for us to make bad situations worse. Mm. And I am generally, as a rule, like my threshold for military engagement um, is pretty damn high, especially yeah. where the Russians are concerned. And I suspect that you gentlemen would agree with that. I mean, yeah, we, except we're talking that we want to defend two, the Baltics. And but, we're, but we're talking about yeah. two nuclear-armed nuclear powers here. You get, you and, get, and you the question Tallinn, becomes... I'm making, I'm making Moscow a parking lot. Well, this, Don't get out of Estonia. <laughs> it's got a flat tax. So, but, this is, but this is a real question. Mark I mean, cause, because we talk about things like no-fly zones in Syria sure. and potentially in Ukraine and various other places. <laughs> Those things don't work unless you're willing to shoot down Russian planes. Yeah, I, I'm, and once I'm you totally start, against no-fly zones. And once you start doing fact, that... In fact, uh, in the debate here... Um, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like the debate, the first half an hour was just like, ah, there's Paula Jones over there. What the fuck's going on? Uh, and like, uh, you know, I'm going to throw you in jail and all these things happen. And then the last half of the debate, or the last hour of the debate was actually kind of on policy. Mm-hmm. And Almost. Clinton was on her heels for a lot of it. Yeah. And rightly so. And and like Trump actually made good arguments against her bad policies. He didn't make any good arguments for his good policies because he, right. he doesn't have any. But like uh, he was his critique about her on in Libya, critique about Obamacare, some other stuff was pretty good. But one of the things that she endorsed in this thing was like, oh, we need more no fly zones <laughs> and safe spaces. <laughs> and this is like the cheap bluster yeah. mm-hmm. of interventionists that she has been drawing on cheaply and wrongly for the last 15 years, if not uh, prior to that, but certainly since she's been in in uh, elected public office or, or impactful public office, uh, and it's wrong, and that's bad. But wait, I'm going to push back on you a little bit here. I, I would say on no-fly zones, I think you're right of this idea that a no-fly zone, there are two things that are a panacea in a debate for foreign policy, because it allows you not to have actually a position. The Kurds and no-fly zones. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like we, have, we have a problem with Mexico. It's like, we have to send the, the, per- the Kurds. Yeah. The, the Arizona Kurds, the Peshmerga of Mexico. you know Mexico. they're some of our best friends? They're some <laughs> of our best friends, the Kurds. <laughs> and as I've said on this podcast before, how many fucking Kurds do these people think there are? They're like, everyone's like, it's the Kurds, it's the Kurds, it's the Kurds. And, the, and it cuts to the Kurds. It's like, you know, there's like nine of us? And we're like, a little tough. Do you think women fight for, for the Peshmerga because they love it? It's like, no, because there's so few of them. It's like, enough with the Kurds. But on the no-fly zone, the no-fly zone is, I mean, if you think of the no-fly zones, which in Iraq, 
um, after the first Gulf War. Which I think were actually smart ideas, and there's a, a there's they a, helped the Kurds. They helped the Kurds actually, and they prevented a lot of problems. The thing is, is that pretend. Let's just pretend this is not true. Let's say that the Saudis, because they have a big air force, this is not. There are allies. Let's the say same. they knew how to fly the planes. Let's so, say so they had any idea what they were, and they didn't lose the keys to them. And they were up in the no one. What if you establish the no-fly zone early? Uh-huh. Then that's a different thing. Not an you option. You cannot here. establish a no-fly zone when Russian planes are flying sorties over Syria. You cannot do it. That is an aggressive movement. What is more aggressive? Well, what's more aggressive is, you know, turning, you know, uh, Aleppo and homes, et cetera, into piles of rubble and killing children and not actually doing anything to defeat ISIS. I mean, this is Donald Trump's. This is a big mistake that Mm -hmm. nobody understands any nuance about Syria. And they say, well, he's fighting ISIS. He's that Assad has not been focusing on ISIS, nor has Russia. Right. We know this to be a fact, which was which was a, a massively erroneous claim. Uh, that that Donald Trump made during the debate that I hate I hate Assad I dislike I dislike yeah. um, what the Russians are doing but look they're fighting ISIS so we should yeah. leave them alone it's not true and, yeah. and and it's also the motivation is of course not in the interest this doesn't even need to be said not in the interest of the Syrian people it's a geopolitical move from an expansionist revanchist aggressive Russia who sees American failure in the Middle East and says hey I want to fill that vacuum this is one of the worst aspects of the big failure of the Iraq war and the and and, and, and almost separate the failure of uh, the Arab Spring is that the Russians have said, here's an opportunity for us because the smart power now for the United States is to lead either from behind or not at all. And okay, that's a good, that's actually, I I think in some ways a very good thing, but unfortunately you have a a power that likes invading other countries and cleaving off lots of land from countries like Ukraine and, and, and Georgia to, to, to fill that void. I think the no fly zone at a certain point would have kept Russia out. And do we is it kept, worth kept Russia out of Syria? Out of Syria, perhaps. I, I, is it worth it? Is that a, is that a worthy thing? The 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 potential blood, but definitely treasure of America. I don't know. That's a different conversation. My, I, I appreciate your cleaving the um, the no fly zone in a place before it gets bad. Yeah, which is a, a different and interesting way of looking at it. Um, my feeling about the no fly zone in Iraq, and this kind of dovetails what we were talking about last week with with the, the notion that Al Gore would have been the peacenik yeah. on Iraq, which is uh, an incredible nonsense uh, sandwich. It's a point you've made before, and it's a very good one. Uh, is yeah. that our uh, enforcement of the no fly zones, which in fact created something like an autonomous Kurdistan within Iraq, yeah. which was which is a great development actually. Um, yet. The enforcement of the no-fly zones and the just sort of like bombing that that you had to do in order to do that made sort of the base – that was the baseline level of intervention there. Um, That plus the weapons inspections and things like that. And so we got into this mindset of, well, we have to use at least that amount of force – to enforce them not rearming themselves. You can, I mean, you, it's a tragedy. You can understand every step of the way why you talk yourself into um, and why Al Gore almost talked himself into as late as 2002 of getting to a place where you kind of have to, by logic, 
invade Iraq. Yeah. Because it's our job to make sure they don't rearm. We are already doing X here. They are already trying to 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 uh, uh, avoid that. And it's actually a hard question. So my yeah. my problem with no-fly zones, in addition to the logistical problem of that, is that uh, you have now ratcheted up the likelihood of a of a of an intervention that will will be filled with folly. So it's like it, you're saying that it, if you, no fly zones might be, but it ultimately can c- commit you to to armed conflict. Yes, yes. like no, yeah, I, it's look, a I think slope. that's I think that's a fair point. I think uh-huh. it's a fair point. Yeah. And, and and from my standpoint, yeah. and and this is I suppose where I get into where I get into trouble with folks who say, oh, you non interventionists, you're just you're thoughtless. You're not you're not thinking this thing. No, this you were arguing you were arguing on. T- Twitter with some listeners uh, uh-huh. this week, yeah, last yeah. week, yeah, just, just yeah. a little bit, just a little bit, but on this very issue, though, yes, right? on, yeah. on this very issue, um, although all, often on various issues, um, <laughs> but 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 look, I, mean, I think at the end of the day, you you do have to acknowledge that there is a slippery slope once you step in and even do some of these seemingly lower level, lower commitment uh, peacekeeping missions, and and I think there's also something else. What my recognition is not that military force and the United States projecting power is not a useful tool to try and stabilize the world. I understand the theory quite well. Um, I also understand that there are other tools. Um, And I, I also, as I said, I also understand that there are other tools in our tool belt um, in terms of creating a culture and trying to advance these principles and represent those principles. Um, And I think both things are very important. And in the current situation in the current situation we find ourselves in without trying to go back and adjudicate what has happened in the past and, and place blame. I just don't see anything approaching a military solution to the problems that we are currently trying to disentangle in the Middle East. And quite frankly, I'm not certain that anyone can do anything about it. And quite frankly, if the Russians think that it is in their best interest to try and project power in that part of the world and to invest a great deal of blood and treasure in making that that part of their sphere of influence, mm. by God, enjoy. So here's an I inter- suspect yeah. that that is going to cost you dearly in the long yeah. run. And quite frankly, I think it is better for the United States to keep as far from most of those conflicts as humanly possible. Because if While you are going to defending Estonia, <laughs> if you are going to get involved militarily, if, if there's nothing else that we've learned from the, the conflict in Iraq, the most recent one, it's that you ought to have some sort of end game. And I just can't see any reasonable end game. All of the all of the military strategists tell us, oh, maybe 20, 30 years from now. Are you kidding me? I, look, like, seriously, I think we're, we're going to yeah. be on Mars before then, according to President I, Obama. I think this is, which is also ridiculous. Yeah, I think this is an incredibly reasonable argument. I would disagree on some sense of just letting the Russians run roughshod because uh, there's a lot of um, sort of problems that come, you know, to use a term that you like blowback to, to the United <laughs> States. But I think that one of the things that the reason that on the fifth column we talk about intervention so much is I think that there's an age issue here. I mean, I do. I think it's a generational issue is the people like Matt and I, um, I guess you're part of this too a little bit but matt and i that remember the cold war in such vivid colors and remembers was, a weak word uh, remembers a weak with word. what we do with <laughs> the cold yeah, war we're, we, it's yeah. onanistic but i think it is it's actually true it's actually true <laughs> but you, I, I, you I, say onanistic? i sure yeah, did yes. yeah you mean like onan is it touching your stuff um, <laughs> here, here's i would say that what iraq is, iraq was 
because we had the intervention in the 1990s. I mean, it's so weird. We have a bunch of weird ones like, you know, landing in Port-au-Prince and there's all these guys that come off the helicopter. Remember this? Guns drawn. It was just a completely stage managed thing. And then we have the Balkans, which is um, a very positive result, despite what some other psychopathic people who call themselves libertarians believe. It was a positive result. Genocide. Uh, <laughs> g- uh, genocide roiling. And I think it I think it was ultimately a positive thing. It didn't actually have an effect on the American people. No Americans died, et cetera. What this is now, I think, is the end of Grenada. Because if you look at Grenada, which is 1983, it was the last time that America intervened with troops on the ground. I guess maybe it's the end of Panama, Panama and Grenada, where shots were fired. Americans Guns and roses were blasted. Yeah, guns and roses were blasted. And that's right, in, <laughs> in Panama. Uh, and Americans died. Americans died in Grenada. Americans died uh, in Panama. There was a thing that somebody did a follow-up in uh, Grenada. Um, in, in the United States, uh, there was a Marxist government called the New Jewel Movement and a guy named Maurice Bishop who was executed and overthrown by even more crazy Leninist people. And that's when the Americans intervened. There was a there was a somebody who wrote a piece and I can't remember when they went back to Grenada and everyone's like, we love the U.S. It was great because this place had become totally crazy. And you guys use this stupid pretext about your medical students. You had to free them. And you came and you liberated the country and you left and everything was great. And we, we've sorted it out when you left. And that was the last time we were like, this is what America can do. We can go around, beat the shit out of the bad guys and then walk away and everything's going to be fine. And we had in the 90s. What did we do? We had a little bit of intervention, not anything really big. It's crappy Balkans, Somalia, crappy Somalia, Haiti. we had, okay, so by the way, the first big catastrophe in the 90s, it was such a catastrophe, a few casualties, such a cat- catastrophe that it made a blockbuster Hollywood movie about it, Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. Enormous movie, big best-selling book. Wow, we have to learn our lessons from this. But, you know, it's a Black Hawk helicopter that shot down. There's a, there's a small number of casualties. We get the hell out pretty quickly. Balkans, very similar, air campaign, etc. Then all of a sudden, 2001 happens in Iraq, and we are no longer that nation anymore. And all of us had to adjust to it. Because if you remember, after 9-11, the number of people, and I think I've mentioned this before, the Glenn Reynolds and all these new bloggers, Victor Davis Hanson, you know, these people that were out of nowhere writing these kind of hawkish things, yourself included, myself included, we were saying, just like Japan, just like Germany, we could remake. And it was like... I never said anything like that. I know, you never said anything like that. And I don't think I did either, but that was a very dominant yeah. theme. And they we made didn't, the, you know, Velvet Revolution kind of claims even. Yeah, too, and, it's and, crazy. And, and it was like it was because we weren't Islamophobes in a way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I want, I want, I want to underline this and interrupt you because you go t- ahead, talk go too ahead, long. Is, is that um, <laughs> it was a great point though? The uh, the Clinton era, the first Clinton era, started off with these kind of um, unsatisfying Warren Christopher muddling through um, uh, kind of military engagements that didn't work. Um, And so we were being humiliated and we were also ineffectual. And it's just all kind of it was a confusing time. And it was this early 90s here. We're like we're we're trying to digest this cataclysmic and wonderful event, which is the end of the Cold War and the end of all the proxy wars that came with it, which is a great uh, Steven Pinker um, notion in the 1990s. We've never seen a decade with more. Uh, you know, conversion from war to peace, uh, from state ownership to privatization, a bunch of stuff. I mean, just incredible, uh, the, the most liberating free decade in many ways of, of our lifetimes. But still, it was all mixed up and shook up. Yugoslavia, uh, by the time we intervened in 1995, it had been 
three years of yeah. of grandmothers getting shot by snipers, snipers in, uh, yeah. in in Sarajevo. I, I I was running a newspaper in uh, Prague at the time, and we had we covered in every single issue of our paper that we had people embedded all over the place. And the Yugoslav refugees were coming in. It was like that was the issue for three years. Nothing happened, and when it it finally did, it changed the situation. When the U.S. came in, it changed the situation. Similarly in Kosovo, and so I think what that did. And I supported those things at the time. Do I you should, support them now? I hasten to add, I'm ambivalent now. I don't know what to think now. Um, I Really? Uh, in the sense that um, because it lowered the bar for intervention. I wrote a piece about this for a reason uh, uh, in like 2003 when I wasn't even a staffer called Temporary Doves that tried to walk myself through in addition to Madeleine Albright, George Soros and Wesley Clark, who all had books out recently, all like thundering against the Iraq war, even though they were the architects of but let me Kosovo. Cha- let me challenge you on this a little bit because you said that, which I, I understand the point, but wasn't didn't there always have to be one last turkey shoot? One last thing post-Cold War where it was going to change, you know, because you say, like, you know, it, it, it lowered our expectations after, you know, an air war in the Balkans. And then 9-11 happens, right? I mean, there's, it wasn't going to go on forever, which we could go in with no casualties. I mean, the Warren Christopher things you talk about are, are true. They were ineffectual and we're, they're humiliating, but people weren't dying. Yes. That, and that's that, a big point. And, and also, and people in U.S. soldiers didn't die in Yugoslavia. I mean, yeah. it, it created among my milieu, which is, I mean, Samantha Power, who's, uh, you know, our, our U.N. ambassador. This is like... My ex-girlfriend, Samantha Power, was her was her the best uh, woman at her wedding. You know. Oh like, my God! I thought we just had breaking news, Camille, that Matt used to date Samantha Power. <laughs> no, too tall. Uh, no, I mean like a, like the, the, I understand the liberal hawk Gen Xer uh, from Central Europe in the 1990s. I was that guy, um, and uh, and and you know, start your hate mail now. Um, and and part of it was it was humanitarian intervention. This is something that people like Václav Havel. Uh, were uh, was agitating for Adam Micknick. You know the the, yeah. the Central European liberal tradition was into this because they saw, uh, in many ways, very accurately, like, hey, these people are struggling against murderous dictators. And sure. we're we're kind of against that. Um, but then uh, it it built up this expectation that there could be a, a series of cheap victories. And in addition to the first Gulf War too, which also went way better than expected from an American point of view, at least until the end. And I think a lot of naivete came with that. So there's the idea that you can have a war that's going to come in under budget. Uh, it's yeah. going to come in and the, the results are going to be much better than anyone. There will be no quagmire. Do you remember all the people like mocking the notion of quagmire in Afghanistan you're, in December of 2001? Sure. And I might've been that, that guy. You're sitting across from one yeah uh and you know what i there's a there's a reason to mock them because they wanted that to be true and i knew that they wanted that to be true i just didn't know it was going to be true and the but, difference but is, is pretty important and and i would say the one thing and i'll a good camille there's a tiny point go for it. is it that the uh adam mishnik and vaslav havel and these people is that you know it's very very hard to argue against moral heroes like that because they're fantastic and havel is a, is a great hero it was a havel week in new york two weeks ago um i uh reread letters to Olga after he died and, and wrote a piece about it in 2011. And I, I just a great hero of mine. I know he's a great hero of yours. And you actually went to his funeral. But the thing about people is that imagine 1956, you're um, a dissident in, in, in Budapest in Hungary, and you're rising up against the Soviets, and they arrest you, and they throw you into the cooler, 
and they ship you off to Siberia, they ship you off to somewhere in Hungary, and you spend 20 years there. The calculus that you use after that, and this is why it's very, very difficult to take these people like Mishnik and Havel, and, and you, want to, you want to just take their word because they're so great, such great people, but you have to sort of realize that their calculations is, if you, I spent 20 years in a little hole. If you guys had intervened, there's a possibility that I wouldn't. And that's the only calculation. And there's a number of people like, uh, you know, ex-Soviet prisoners who, uh, you know, in, in, at the time that after they defected and after they came to the U.S., after they released, after the thaw, Khrushchev's thaw, they were the most hawkish people. Remember Solzhenitsyn's speech at Harvard, which where he was thundering and scared the hell out of people who loved the Gulag Archipelago but, because it was aggressive. And it was like, you know what I went through for 15, 20 years? You could have prevented that. And it's like, well, not really. But it's like, well, I'm going to take that risk because I'm sitting in a hole. And I wish you guys as supposed proponents of the free world would do something. That type of thing has changed. Those people don't exist anymore. We have a reference point to Solzhenitsyn, a great literary hero. And when his books get translated in France for the first time, and we read them, there's so much resonance, there's so much echo with uh, One Day in the Life of, of Ivan Denisovich, things like this, so much echo in Arthur Kessler. The Middle East is something that has no echo for us. When people are saying, we're struggling here, and I am uh, an Islamist, but I'm not a violent one, we just check out. We have, it was, uh, the Cold War, I'm realizing now, was the most unique, weird set of circumstances. Because this one isn't. They shared our culture, our European culture. That's right. Yeah. It really is. Uh, yeah. Tons to do with that. In some, in some cases, although the, when you mentioned uh, Grenada, mm -hmm. um, and I mean the difference between Grenada and say I don't know Syria is that Grenada is close. True. This is, True. This is very nearby. And Nicaragua too. It was, sure. was, was going to be a jumping off point these, for these the Soviet invasion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. These places yeah. are nearby. That's defensible. Yeah. There, there's a, no, it's there's not. a world. Well, I'm saying there's a world. <laughs> there's a world in which that is defensible. I would invade yeah. Grenada again um, today if I could. I'm saying there's a Grenada boner. You're going to hump a chair like Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm saying thinking there's a about world, There's a world in which that's defensible. I think when you cast your gaze beyond the shores of the United States and yeah. look deep into the Middle East, into into what is kind of sort of an abyss. Yeah. Uh, into a place where we've had rockets fired at U.S. ships in the last couple of days. Um, if one of those makes contact, what what are we obliged to do next? Like, what happens after that? Um, I I get pretty concerned about that. I get pretty concerned about the the long term prospects um, of us being uh, in the Middle East trying to win some peace that is just completely alien to the region. But you're saying um, get the ships out of there. It, I, I'm saying I don't know. I don't know what. I understand that there are a couple of different goals. I mean, one is that you are trying to make it possible for commerce to continue during the during this happening. And your your gamble here is that people wouldn't actually shoot at U.S. ships. But what happens like if one they lands? They won't screw with us. What do you do what, if one lands? What, what happens if one of the munitions said, lands yeah, yeah, on a U.S. ship? Because you said you're worried about that. That's what, what I'm saying. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I worry that that causes a chain reaction, which you do, in fact, have to ratchet things up. Yeah. Um, and then I have to wonder about the calculus of perhaps not being there. Like, what happens if you're not? Like, who takes responsibility for ensuring that some of this cargo gets through? Um, or are we having the sorts of conversations as a country, right, in Congress, where there is an understanding of the risks that are being run uh, by being in this position um, and trying to safeguard the, 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 the routes that are necessary for goods, particularly oil and stuff, 
um, to flow through uh, and to make it back to us here at home and to make it to make it to global markets in general. I don't know that we really have an understanding of that. And one of my concerns with and one of my concerns with NATO, for example, is not that it is that the goals aren't noble and righteous and good. It's that we don't have the sorts of conversations that we ought to be having about the actual risks of maintaining of maintaining this umbrella of protection over this part of the world um, and, and what our strategic goals and objectives are. And I think that is a real concern. And. But we'll Excuse have me, I'm, I'm as you're choking. We'll have that conversation after NATO gets involved in a war, because which is, right, which, is mean, a, which is a problem. I mean, look, NATO's <laughs> involved in Afghanistan, but nobody thinks of it that way. NATO's real test is when a NATO country is invaded. Like NATO was involved in Afghanistan, not uh-huh. a NATO country. Right. If somebody invades Poland, <laughs> somebody invades all one of these countries that expanded as a NATO member com- country after 1991, basically. What happens then? It hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. so I think you're right. I think we'll have that conversation if there was a time like, okay, let, let, let unleash the dogs of war. Yeah, I don't although, know. Although, is there a conversation at that point, or do you do what you yeah, were we treaty bound to do? We, we always have them after. Yeah, we, we had an after nine eleven. We didn't have right. them before. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That that makes me a little nervous. And I mean, the 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 news that we were talking about um, over email is that there have been some prominent figures. Dude, Vladimir Zhirinovsky, who is still oh in the game. Oh my god! Still, yeah. It's they, amazing. I I I I literally had forgotten that he exists. He's this anti-Semitic, like yeah. would-be dictator of Russian Russia, chauvinist. like a, a tin pot, like Istvan Shurka of I Russia. Don't, I, don't, I haven't thought of him in a while, but he used to be a member of a thing called the Liberal Democratic Party, which He's, is a great the founder, the great misnomer of any party. It was it was a liberal, liberal, Democrat, liberal yeah. or Democratic. We're yeah. actually fascistic anti-Semites uh, who want to like restore <laughs> communism. Except even harder. He warned today that we will have a nuclear war if Donald Trump doesn't win. Right. And uh, and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. He, he, yeah, no, it wasn't. You, it wait. wasn't a threat of violence. He was actually suggesting that look, we are at we are at loggerheads here, Russia and the United States, and it's likely this Hillary Clinton chick is probably the wrong person. Um, now I'm now I'm adding. I'm I'm doing some color commentary. He's like, hey, this. Could but be, if Donald it, Trump won, he would probably G- seek peace and let us do what we want. Zhirinovsky's been so advocating be the invasion of everything since 1991. Yeah. Wait, what did Gorby say? You said something Gor- in your email. Gorby said um, that uh, relations are at a historic uh, breaking point, and someone really needs to step back now, or else there's going to be. Terrible damage. Fucking, he's a fucking coward. He's always been a coward and he's always been <laughs> overplayed. But you know what? You know what a fucking brave person does? I'm sorry. I'm really pissed. I hate Gorbachev for so many reasons. <laughs> Me too. Uh, you know what he would do if, if, if he was a brave person? He would say that we are the expansionist power in our region. We have cleaved off, as we said before, a chunk of an independent country twice in the past seven, eight years, we are the one that are bombing hospitals and, and UN aid convoys in Syria. If you did that comment, you said that in a, against America in 2005, 2006, you would have, everyone would have applauded you and you probably would have been right. Yeah. And I'm sure Gorbachev said that during the Iraq war. But if this man who is about to slide off this mortal coil cannot say this to Vladimir Putin now, cannot say and stand up and say, our country is a moral void. And I demanded in 1988, 89, Perestroika and Glasnost, a new morality for Russia. Still wanted to be socialist, still wanted to be Leninist, but a new morality and a new freedom. If you cannot stand up and say that when you are about to die, you are worthless. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down your life. <laughs> tear down 
tear down <laughs> that scrim that separates you from the other patient in the hospital. Tear I, something down. When I was uh, at the uh, L.A. Times, we, we would host uh, 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 lunches with uh, foreign uh, notables. And, uh, and you know, the news desk would do it. The foreign desk would do it. The opinion uh, desk that I worked at would do it. And for some reason, like, no one wanted to host Gorbachev. And they're like, Matt, will you host Gorbachev? I'm like, oh, fuck Yes. I'm going to be hosting Gorbachev. What, what year was this? This is in 2007, I think. Okay. And so I'm sitting next to that fucking head stain. Oh, my right? God. Oh, my and, God. Uh, yeah. And he's in Jeez, with a global... No, he, he his name should be head stain. Head, head stain. <laughs> I think Gorbachev means in Russian. Yeah, head stain. So he's sitting there. And uh, and this is at a time of... There's always renewed tensions. And I'm sure... like always. Uh, it wasn't... It was in the mid-Georgia kind of uh, uh, period... But uh, uh, so he was there to to hype his global green initiative because he's one of those reds that turned green as soon as the check could clear. Um, and so he was here to lecture uh, the uh, the Los Angeles city government about how they needed to be more environmentalist because God knows <laughs> communism was fucking great for yeah. the environment. Yeah. Yeah. As anyone who tried to fucking breathe yeah. Yeah. in half of Europe yeah. for about 50 years could tell you communism makes you who, choke to death. Who was the leader of the Soviet Union when Chernobyl happened? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's can't, unclear. Can't, can't recall. So, so anyways, I was holding my piece for most of it, by which I mean the first 10 minutes. And then I turned <laughs> and I was like, okay, so what do you have to say about the obviously expansionist policies of Vladimir Putin and uh, and the fact that his whole politics is based on uh, you know, the lost limb of the Soviet Union and that he will do whatever he can to restore that in, in their near abroad um, and that he's basically a bad dude. And he his eyes flashed at me and he got his Russian up and we spent the next 40 minutes just like toe to toe screaming at each other while the foreign editor and other people were just like completely crestfallen. Like we're supposed to be polite. We're the LA Times and this kind of stuff. And it's just like me and Gorby going toe to toe. It was a beautiful moment. I feel very good about God. that. You should be proud. I you should, should be proud. That's good. Fuck um, that. That's highlight material. I 1991, think I... he sent tanks into fucking Vilnius. Yes, he did. 1991 by, 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 in by January. The way, by the way, people died in that too. I just, it's, I want to point that out that, that he, he said, and he later claimed that he had no control over it and it was not, Bullshit. it was not uh, his intention and he was not responsible for it. But the way to prevent people from getting killed in Vilnius is let a country be independent and don't send tanks into it. That's the first thing. The second thing is, Matt, thank you very much for that. It was a great, great rant. And I think I might have written something for reason a long time ago on the anniversary of the fall of the wall, um, which I might tweet out tonight if I can find it. Um, about about my Gorby skepticism because people often ask why are you like it's like being a Gandhi skeptic and there are <laughs> plenty of like like you know decent reason to be a Gandhi skeptic. there actually are decent reason to be yeah. a Gandhi skeptic uh, there's a there's a book out um, Lewand L L L Y there's a there was a good Gandhi book. running up his book score. I'm trying to run up my book that? score uh, Hitchens wrote a great review of it in the Atlantic and he was a bit of a Gandhi skeptic but um, yeah there's a reason for Gorbachev skepticism and he got the lion's share of the credit because people really didn't want to give anything to Reagan because they hated him so much and he was the you know he, he was also the man at Reykjavik that was shocking Gorbachev by saying let's get rid of all the nuclear weapons just to throw them away tomorrow his advisors too were like what the hell's going on let's here? give credit for imperial withdrawal he did it <clears throat> he did he and, did. and let me run up the book score a little bit more uh, <laughs> a, a, a new novel out by the great great uh, Washington novelist uh, Tom Mallon who's lovely and a great guy too uh, called Finale 
which is a terrific book, a terrific novel of the Reagan years. And it starts um, the start very quickly into the Reykjavik uh, summit, which he makes very fun and interesting. It's a really, really brilliant book. But some idiot wrote this. Should we do that? Yeah, and we should get the hell out of here. I wanted to talk about Trump and his uh, his passion for saving the inner cities. We didn't even get to go there. Let's go there next today. time. Yeah, so we'll time. save it for let's next start, time. Let's drink more outside of the studio now. Oh, my gosh. Um, um, we've been drinking a little bit in the studio, oh by the way. I got so much work to do tonight. All right, All right fine, some idiot fine, wrote fine. this. Who's got, who's, got, who's got it? I got one for our good friend Mark Hemingway. Go for it. Who should what? be on this show. Yeah! I love Mark. I'm not calling Mark an idiot, but I'm going to call him a some idiot wrote this. He was no, you tweeting. Have to, you have to call him an idiot. Oh, even if you beat it in a friendly Mark. way. Mark! I, I'm just mad because he's so tall. He's tall. He's a great guy. He's, he's a really, guy. really it's sweet a jealousy, guy. Tonight he, a jealousy fueled. It is. Uh, tonight he tweeted out, and we had some contrary tomps. <laughs> about it on the on the Twitters, but uh, uh, he's reacted to someone else saying, you know, if only the Libertarian Party had nominated Evan McMullen, Michael Moynihan's uh, new friend. Touching <laughs> uh, uh, for a minute and a half tonight. Uh, then, uh, you know, then maybe uh, they would have uh, been uh, successful here. Um, uh, and I hear this a lot. I heard this from our friend Buck Sexton, who was on the show not long ago. When I was on his uh, show earlier this week, saying, you know, I just wish, I just wish that the libertarian was more libertarian. And I was like, Buck, a, you're not a libertarian. Yeah. You're friendly to us, but you're not a libertarian. <laughs> B, if you, if there was a real libertarian, you, you would be, hate him so much. So much. You would hate him so much. So much. It would be someone talking about the non-aggression principle all day yeah. long. Who would carry. be yeah. way, way, way like to the whatever T-shirt of gold. They'd be like, you know, let, let Vladimir Putin run everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you would, you couldn't stand the guy. I love Buck, though. Uh, I, I love I, Buck, he's too. And he's a, he's a, really a wonderful nice guy. guy. And but he's a guest in the show. But yeah. there's this conservative conceit, like complaining constantly that Gary, that the problem with Gary Johnson is that he's not libertarian enough. And that's why the libertarian candidate should be Evan McMullen. That doesn't make any fucking sense, Mark Hemingway. You should know this. You've never voted for a libertarian in your life. You probably never will vote for a libertarian for your life. You're right to criticize Gary Johnson for his answers about religious freedom, which don't make any sense and aren't particularly libertarian and a bunch of other things besides. And we love you and you're Mark Hemingway and you should come on the show. But to suggest that libertarians <laughs> should nominate Evan McMullen, who's yeah. Not at all libertarian. Not even like five yeah. percent libertarian. Uh, here is silly. It's okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna text Mark Hemingway after the show to tell him to listen to this. So it's full disclosure that we love Mark Hemingway, and he'll be so aggrieved and so offended that he'll be like, "I got to come on the show." So we'll have yeah. him on the show. I, I will close this out. My somebody that wrote this is uh, for, uh, the last thing that I tweeted. I believe uh, you can find it there. The link is there of uh, my old place of the employment, the Daily Beast, um, uh, really just uh, uh, did a great job of uh, uh, debasing itself with a piece from a somebody who I, I looked up who's apparently like 11 years old, right out of college, named Amy Zimmerman, who um, just is, a, is, is in the Olympics of stupidity. She's getting maybe the silver because she wrote a piece um, about how uh, Louis C.K., I can't even do this just because it's so, it's so incoherent and so stupid and so long. This is the problem with these hot takes. There was like 3,000 words about how Louis C.K. had an episode of The Louis Show. You people out there who have watched The Louis Show, there's an uncomfortable episode with Pamela, I think uh, Adler is her name, uh, where he tries to kiss her and doesn't work out and he gets a little aggressive and she pushes him away. And um, she, there's a piece on the Daily Beast about how um, Louis C.K. is creating rape culture and he is no different 
than uh, Donald Trump, who is uh, no different than like Bill Cosby. So these, so I mean, I just wanted to say this because because I wanted to advise people on one thing. I know you have deadlines to fill, and I know you're not particularly bright. And I'm sad for you. You're a young girl who's not particularly bright, and you know it sucks. And you went to Yale or something, and you have debts to pay, and your parents are probably paying them anyway. But you're really, really not very bright, and you don't have good ideas. So you have to take a television show that you saw, and there was an uncomfortable scene, and you have to. Write 98,000 words about it. Now, I don't mean to be condescending, but you deserve to be condescended to. Here is my tip. When writers write things, when they write, their, their characters aren't them. Okay? <laughs> so if you write a nasty person in your character, you have to say like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, John Grisham is a supporter of rape culture. Sometimes the character in a John Grisham book is a rapist. And that's not a good thing. So let's do us a favor. And I know it'll cut down on the hot takes. I know you'll have fewer hot takes. And I know that you might get fired from your job at the Daily Beast um, because you cannot write something about um, the outrage of the day. But Louis C.K., is not Louis on the show Louis. It has the same name, but he's not the same person. Thank you very much. Please write a hot take about, um, I don't know. So who's, who's next? Who should you write a hot take about now? You, how you're a rapist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. I am. I am. Or a cuck. I, I, I'm, I'm well, he's not a rapist. That. I'm a cuck. Certainly that. All right. Well, I think we've, we've given the good people enough. Yeah, we've given, given a lot. enough. A I, lot. I think we can. Good show. Can, can we allow this, Camille to talk next time? Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I've got I've got other things on my mind. Dude, I, he was out of it tonight. I saw really it. I was, I, I was trying to throw to him. He yeah. was fucking. He took a clonopin while I was looking. At him. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is, that's true. That's a lie. It's that true. actually didn't happen. Prove it. Um, but it was uh, it was a pleasure to be with you again. Hopefully, you will return next week. Uh, give us some feedback. Holler at us at at we the fifth on Twitter. We are also on uh, Facebook, and you can google or search on facebook i guess you don't google it you search it uh but leave us a review on itunes preferably 22 stars if that's possible if not we'll Mm -hmm. set it for five um and uh yeah let us know what you think uh so long as you're enjoying it uh but uh i think that's it guys anything any last words god is love i love you camille that's beautiful great see you next time we know of new methods of attack the trojan horse Column, column.